Hello and welcome back to the After Ellen podcast. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jocelyn McDonald, and today I am joined by Meg Goodman. Hello, Meg. Hello. I'm so excited to have Meg on board at After Ellen. Um, She is our L Word recapper, and she's going to write all sorts of things for us as, um, you know, as the mood strikes her. However, right now, it has been such a... such a relief and a joy to have someone on the L word beat because I used to write the recaps and I got to tell you season two has been a doozy it hit me hard and I was physically incapable of writing these recaps um I'll tell you a a tiny bit of a personal story because I think I think you'll be delighted it's very lesbian I watched the first episode with my crush and it was so cute and romantic to be like cuddled up with my crush. And um, of course that led to us hooking up. I was so excited to recap the L word afterward. I was like, you know, reminded of my crush every time I thought about the L word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're sharing the story. And honestly, Everybody like this is uh not this this is not dissimilar to the way the l word worked for me in high school when it first aired and i would secretly download episodes onto kazaa and watch them with my high school sweetheart it was my gay awakening and right? I, wasn't mid, it all of mid 20s so <laughs> <laughs> it was generation millennials gay awakening and generation q is just now walking into this <laughs> this whole world but anyway, you know, in typical lesbian fashion, um, we didn't make it past, uh, you know, the second date. And also in typical lesbian fashion, we are still best buds. Ooh. So uh, I actually have a policy of never remaining friends with women that I've slept with, but I actually really like this woman. You She's like, oh, you've broken the rule. I'm breaking the rule for her because she's worth it. Okay. Um, but you know, of course I was, I was crushed and I couldn't face the L word in my devastation over over the love that I, (laughs) that I almost found, but lost immediately. So, you know, I was just honestly too triggered to watch the L word and I couldn't push your, here comes that. Would it push your parasympathetic nervous system into (laughs) trauma response? Oh, absolutely. Heart palps. No question. Yeah. But you know, not only that, I have to say the L word has never been known for the stellar writing. It's not going to win any it's awards. That's not what we're there for. It's not what we're there for. But this season, I swear, I was thinking like, God, did all the good writers die of COVID? Like really what happened? They really couldn't find anybody with a lick of experience. This show is worse than a telenovela in terms of the writing. It makes no sense. It's hard to follow. You know, for instance, first episode, we left off with a pretty dramatic cliffhanger. You know, Sophie and Danny, Sophie and Finley. Who's it going (laughs) to be? What's going to happen? And then we open on this new season and they immediately jump in media res, you know, into a scene with Danny and Sophie, and you don't know what is the timeline. They like, do not address what happened. Yeah, 
when is this fucking taking place? And that, and that kind of careless writing was pretty much throughout season two. I did rewatch that part today and it stuck out to me again as the bewilderment of stepping into that season, season two. What a choice. Where are we at? What an odd choice. So I don't know if you had heard this, you know, Eileen Chaikin is no longer the showrunner since the reboot, but she is still a producer. And she had a quote somewhere saying that they were going to take the pandemic off of production and really focus on the writing. And I'm telling you, like, what, what, what happened? What happened? Like, it is worse than it's Maybe ever a bunch been. of a bunch of depressed pandemic writers. I think it must have been the depression. Honestly, maybe it was because they couldn't all be in the same room. And writing for uh, TV is something that you, you have to do. Yeah, you've got to hit ideas off of each other and get it going. Talk and it I out. actually had an interview with Eileen um, this year about her other show, and they and they were writing in the comments. But I watched that show, and it was not nearly as poorly written as hmm. this. The, um, what do you call that? A Law and Order. Criminal, criminal intent? I don't know. Criminal organized. Criminal or, organized. Crime. Yes. <laughs> that was a really special moment for my brain. It was a great moment. Was, I love it. Thanks. I, I found my, my footing eventually. Um, so, Meg, um, talk to us about your favorite characters from uh, the reboot. I love Gigi. I don't. I love Gigi. Okay. Gigi's great. Gigi's got that bravado that's just like so uh, illuminating. She's magnetic. I love her. I love her accent. I love that she is just like super assertive in her job. You know, Mm -hmm. super assertive with women, super assertive with her communication. So really, I just have a giant crush on Gigi. Yeah, she's mega hot. I would, she's so hot. I would also like to, you know, I'm aspired. I aspire to her career, her career mm-hmm. uh, success. I aspire to her career wardrobe. Her career wardrobe. She has some really uh, bonkers outfits, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm loving the confidence with which she like arrives at a party in a turtleneck <laughs> that's that's just the neck and no sleeves. Oh, I forget that part. That is solid. <laughs> Very strange sweater choices on Gigi's behalf, and you know what? It's just like, yeah, she. You're right. She has unshakable confidence in every situation. (laughs) The way she handles. Okay, this is it. It's when Carrie and Tina show up at the same restaurant that Gigi and Bet are on the on the setup date Uh at, and -hmm. Bet's you know freaking out like I don't like Carrie, and Gigi just Mm -hmm. owns that. Gigi just like doesn't give a fuck. No, handles it like with grace. Love it. Yeah, and 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 with the steamy, like she turns it into an opportunity to flirt. Oh, it's entirely playful. It It did not need to be at all. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, then it's on. Um, Although I can't say that Bet and Gigi were ever really destined to work out. You know, I agree. It's like they're both too toppy. They're too dummy. It's not. They're they are. It's not gonna. And that's. I love that also. So I think I have a housewife aspirations here, but, but I am a switch. So I don't want anybody to get the Uh wrong idea here, but yeah, dear listener, listener, (laughs) my personal personal ad, um, (laughs) 
but yes, they they're two they're two alike. They can't. Okay, so so that's your number one Gen Q character. Mm-hmm. I like that your number one Gen Q character is actually um, not a gen- from Generation Q. <laughs> she's old. yeah, she's an older. She's on the really, same age you know, as Ben and the OG. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, I relate more. Um, I have to say that I really like Finley, and and I'm not saying that I like Finley's character. I well, no. Finley has a real struggle. That's what I'm trying to if say. I follow so, you. Yeah, like there's a real problem with the writing. Sorry to beat up on the writers again on this show, but the the writing lacks motivation in a lot of situations. And you're just like, why are these characters doing the the things they're doing and making the choices they're making? Finley's one of the only characters that has a justification for the idiotic choices that she makes and it's her alcoholism. Now we don't get any deeper into that. We don't really know why she's a raging alcoholic and why she's taking a piss on Danny's floor (laughs) or like why she's, you know, why she keeps relapsing aggressively after getting clean for a minute. But at least she, her character has, um, an arc, you know, Mm -hmm. her story makes sense. And, um, you, you care about, finding out what happens to her can't really say that for a lot of the gen q characters you're just like why are you here no agreed i mean <laughs> there's a huge missed opportunity for for more of finley's backstory and i think we want it mm-hmm. she's a sweetheart yeah. finley is a sweetheart that whole, that whole thing with like season one and her religious uh version and her but and yet hooking up with a rabbi or a, or a reverend or whatever she was spiritual mm-hmm. teacher why we, we didn't get any follow-up to that storyline or or that backstory like she's so traumatized by her past Mm -hmm. you know there's something going on with her parentage or her and so many of us grew up in in a religious setting that was incompatible with our sexuality Mm -hmm. that would be super relatable and probably speak to the audience but nope we don't get that (laughs) missed opportunity yeah it's kind of odd it is odd it's very peculiar in that in that sense because so many so many viewers would connect with it Older, older generation yeah. and newer Gen Q. I think Danny is the only Gen is the only Gen Q character that really gets a backstory, and and I I think she would be my favorite character if I were um, rooting for the people that she the her ships. I'm not shipping her with. I'm actually shipping her with Gigi now. Yeah. But I definitely wasn't shipping her with Sophie. So no, like, they were. Oh, you guys have no chemistry. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were no good. I, but I like her as a character. I care. I'm following. Like, yeah, I care. I care about your daddy issues. Mm-hmm. I care about you finding your way and being like the the queen of your own life, and you know, making all these bad boss moves. And we've been given more reasons to be invested in Danny. Which is uh-huh. Yeah. I would. I actually would ship Gigi Danny. There's a little bit of a May December thing there, and I don't appreciate that. I think that okay. uh, is not uh, necessarily going to lead to a healthy relationship. But you know, it, it happens. Certainly, um, maybe. I, I mean, like in general, that's a very valid. That's a very valid point, though. I mean, come, but there's certainly outliers. But you're, you are in different life phases. Life you are. Phases, so that's a yeah. very valid point with those two. They might be too, but mm. I think they could be good for helping each other grow. Yeah, yeah, I have a I have a hard 
limit on dating women under 30. Oh, I'm there now. Even that, it, yeah, yeah even that's a little Good. down. <laughs> nah. mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> so Meg, we know your star sign, but who are you in your, uh, in terms of L word characters? Oh, you know, I keep thinking about this. I'm worried I might have some Alice. You're worried that you're, I, I'm Alice. I love Alice, but Alice is extra, but I'm, I think I'm. Jesus, it's hard out here I being I think Alice. I'm a little extra. Hey, I say this well, with now compassion. You have a podcast, so. <laughs> I think that might be, well, what's going on here? I don't know. The Alice in me recognizes the Alice in you. I'm going to embrace it. Because I do yeah, love Alice and I love her extraness. Yeah. I'm like, if, if that's, I do me. I'll do me <laughs> with my extraness. I'm not afraid to put stuff out there. I like that. I think that is a uh-huh. God positioning and I'm going to, I'm going to write it. So Alice. Okay. You know, let's actually talk about Alice for a okay. second. Cause one of the, one of the um, storylines in the season that kind of took me by surprise was that Alice, who was revealed to be bisexual in the OG L Word yes. series, um, she was always yes. described as bisexual, but she has not dated a male since um, the male lesbian, right? Um, whose name I can't recall. I don't know that name either. Um, Paul, maybe Mike. I don't know the male lesbian. We know. We know who they're whatever. Male. Whatever. Yeah, we know that character. Yeah, everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, right. So you know, she kind of to me um, was the lesbian archetype that so many of us are familiar with you know lesbians who the longer that they're that they're out of the closet the less they identify with bisexuality like yeah you you um had relationships with men and women in your younger years but as you sifted and sorted through what you do and don't want out of Mm -hmm. life you gravitate toward women and you never really go back and i've seen it a hundred times in my own social circle. And I've heard it described in people's memoirs or, or books about, uh, uh, you know, TV series. Like this is a common thing that, that some women start as bisexual and then it's, just, a safe, you know, it's a safe stepping stone. It's a safe stepping stone. And yeah. Um, like Cynthia Nixon is a very famous example yes. or Glennon Doyle. Oh, uh, Glennon. Actually, I don't know if she was, I'm not sure she dated any women before. No, Abby she didn't. I think I might have misspoken. Yeah, yeah she's right. not a good example. She just went. She went all the way right away. She went straight from that to less. <laughs> she just jumped right over bisexual, the stepping stone. Um, anyway, I thought that was a really interesting storyline, in part because I think that the comedic relief guy from Scrubs that they brought on to be her love interest, like at first, I was like. He is not hot enough for her. Agreed. Like I'm sorry, but Alice is a stone cold hot and this doesn't check out. He's aged. He has and honestly, like that that maybe that is true to life because like look around, a lot of women are with men who are beneath them. It's oh, kind of a common thing. It's extremely <laughs> it's common. Standard. But um, you know, as I was kind of like repulsed by it at first and I'm and I'm I'm willing to admit that I think a lot of viewers that I've seen in the Facebook forums and Reddit for this show have have said the same it's like 
it feels kind of like a betrayal to center a heterosexual storyline in a show for lesbians. But, you know, the more he was on the show and the more I saw their dynamic together, the more I felt like, fuck it. Like, they have chemistry. They 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 laugh they together. They're I like his character. I like his he's, character. And he's so sweet. He's very sweet. And he cares He does. Her. He really cares. He, lo- he really loves her. Yeah, and Nat's a mess. Nat so is a mess. She, she's a mess when she's with I Nat. love them together. I do agree that initially it felt very forced. And I think that's yeah. part of infusing the whole woke, the woke agenda. Of, of yeah. We have they to have. We have to have a, a, les- a lesbian character because really she did. She, we have to have a bikes character. Here. Excuse me. We have to have a lesbian <laughs> go by. This is, yeah. oh, oh, and I know oh. that she introduced herself as bi. As We've bi. always known her as bi, but as you said, not not. Ex- We've never seen her be bi exactly. at least not for a long it's, time. It's not expected. It's not, not in a real. It's way. not likely. Mm-hmm. I think probability wise. It's against the ads, but but he. I don't know. Where's the data? I feel like there are some lesbians that um, end up. I almost said choose to be bisexual. Sorry, guys. I know that I, that would have got my ass fucking canceled. <laughs> um, what am I trying to say? There are lesbians who who go the other they direction do. later in life. I've seen it a few times in my own social circle and on the the you know, real outward. Like, um, Whitney and and Sada. She got married don't, and had some. Sada got married and yeah. had a baby. No, she wanted with what a, you do? human male. With a man. No, no, I'm, so, I'm no, sorry. I didn't need to know this. I, I slept fine at night. What? Oh Sada. well, we know who your real Elward woman is. Wow, I'm really upset right now. When you went <laughs> vegan and had a baby by yourself. So. <laughs> I would, I'm not sure going vegan. Is I don't know who up, got the better end of the stick her. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest. Yeah. Um, to our vegetarian listeners, I apologize. My, Meg my and I apologies. both love eating animals. I am animal based. I eat a lot of meat. <laughs> we're, we're, we're those type of lesbians. Yeah. My, my freezer is <laughs> full of raw Yes, of course it is. I don't know if you want to say that. Isn't that illegal? No, it's only if I sometimes. No, it's sometimes illegal. Okay, this is how the raw milk works. They can't sell it at the grocery store. Illegal. Mm -hmm. Some states you can buy it through herd shares. You buy like Mm -hmm. a share of the cow. So you're picking up milk weekly. Legal in some states. Some states ban it outright. Michigan, it's legal. Mm -hmm. I actually order mine legally from Pennsylvania. Only because the raw milk hookups here are a little bit harder for me to fit in. And I order a bulk, okay. so I get free shipping. Mm-hmm. And it's from a really great bio farm. That's what- you can freeze milk? You can fr- Raw milk freeze as well. Yes. But does does homogenized milk freeze well? I don't know. Because I you don't know drink it. You're out here drinking the, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, Meg and I are returned to the Earth type lesbians. Mm-hmm. We're 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 out here with our bare feet. In the I Earth. sleep on a That's grounding kind of sheet. So, oh my god, I want to get one of those. Is it awesome? You can come visit. We'll have sleepover times. <laughs> Watch them outward. Oh, wow. Next Does season. It, um, next season. Uh, will there be a next I season? I hope so. I hate to say that I'm like, oh, I need another season, but I, but I am. I'm, I, yeah. I want to see it. I want to see what happens. They left so what? many, so many 
things undone. What was your biggest cliffhanger? Bet and Tina. I don't even want Bet and Tina mm-hmm. to be together. Always. You're not a Tina trip. I'm not. I'm I'm over oh. Bet and Tina, but it's always wow. Bet and Tina. Yeah. It's always Tina's. I mean, Bet's problematic. I just I love Bet though. I love Bet. That's really hot. Your problematic fave, <sighs> if you will. I'm working on not being attracted to those kind of women, but fuck boys, you mean? Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I guess that's more of a Shane. Well, that's kind of a fuckboy too. She's definitely that is. she's definitely that absolutely hearts. is. And then what else mm. are you interested I'm in? Ex- they close the chapter on Angie's dad. Kind of. What I'm excited about, and I wanted to kind of, I was going to put this in the recap, but it was just too much. Mm. Um, mm. I'm really excited about Bet being in charge of Marcus's estate. Okay. Because she's going to be putting together a show of all of his work. I think that's going to be a really mm-hmm. great healing opportunity for Angie and a, and a way to Ooh. connect with her with her donor posthumously. Yeah. Um, and it's going to bond, give her and Bet a, a bonding session. You know, they're going to yeah. bond over this and grow in a big way. So I'm really excited to see that for Angie. Um, so let's talk about this. I plan on writing an article about this. And so right now I'm just going to, kind of spitball some ideas but I think that one thing that this season did really compellingly was talk about children of donors and there is this is not a conversation that the lesbian community is ready or willing to have but (laughs) we really need to consider the feelings of children when they when they grow up and find out that their donor conceived and there's so many examples of kids who grow up and find out that they have siblings that they never knew about. And as someone who has siblings that are really fucking cool, I would be pissed. Siblings are the best. Oh my God. Understand you. They have your back. Even, Oh, I mean, even I, I feel that way about, you know, my brother and I had a long time where we weren't connected, but there's still that mm. unspoken. We grew gross. up in the same home and mm-hmm. that's going to unite you in a way. And that's something that, that donor conceived children wouldn't, they wouldn't have, they have wouldn't that, correct. In the same home. but what's, it's crazy to me when I have a, I have a friend who um found out as an adult that she has donor conceived siblings because her father was a sperm donor in like the 80s okay. she has had has never heard of these people until adulthood and she meet she's met up with a few of them and it turns out they have like the same personality i have i have heard that i have heard that a lot yeah. i there's definitely a genetic component in there absolutely yeah. i would not want to be deprived of the opportunity to to um, get to know and perhaps love people with whom I had so much in common genetically, spiritually, like the, 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 just the earth matter, the material world. Like these are your, literally your Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's a, I do understand it's a very complex. There's a lot of complexities to it, but I am, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with, with what you've said. And um, looking at what what's best for the child. I thought that was one thing. I have one good thing to say about this season, and it was the storyline about Angie. I don't care for her girlfriend. No. I, 
I don't care about, I don't know what's happening. Um, yeah. What else? Um, we had the Nat and the polyamory storyline. That was kind of interesting. Did you take anything away from that? Yeah. I'm, I think it's a, it's all a part of that shoving non-monogamy down our throats and having a bunch mm-hmm. of sex and casual sex and oh. sex with anybody you feel like having sex with anywhere is so good for you. It's going to make you feel I'm great sensing about a, yourself. I'm sensing a hot take coming on, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of, it's I, all part of the L words, not very covert woke agenda, which we kind of glossed over and early in our conversation, but talked a lot about last season because it was just so, it was so transparent and it was so tasteless. It was like, here's our diversity, equity, and inclusion oh, character. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Good job making it subtle. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I think it, it, exactly like along the same lines, the, the non-monogamy. Have you ever dabbled in polyamory, Meg? When I was a young and a messy uh-huh, I got involved with a married couple when I was young and messy, and I could not have my parents <laughs> listen to the show. It was fun, but it was a mess. It was a mess. I was young and drinking, and yeah, I've been young and greedy myself. I I, I dabbled in poly. Uh, ultimately, I think that I don't have the attention span. I'm kind of a one woman woman. Yeah, it's too. It is a lot. It's a lot of work. I think. To, yeah. I mean, I was. Um, you're emotionally trying to take care of two people then and then and then (laughs) and if it's a married couple there's like another dynamic and then it's like wow this Mm. got very serious very quickly um yeah I really don't like the hierarchical nature of a lot of poly setups and I know that there's non-hierarchical ways of doing it but like I have a personal rule about not being able to be excluded from my own relationship I think it's very (laughs) challenging to actually successfully navigate that as a keep maintain mm-hmm. maintain a balanced hierarchical structure within right how it's can you have sh- a balance when 50. somebody has veto power over absolutely you? you're not you can't yeah uh-huh um yeah so so you think that there is a there is a reason for polyamory and public sex and all this stuff to be put into the public conversation. Do you think it benefits anyone in particular? Would you name a benefactor, a benefactor? Of, this, of this behavior? <laughs> who, do, who benefits by this narrative? Oh, golly. For it to be nefarious, it there has to be, right? There has to be someone exploiting and someone winning, right? I mean, it's the whole, there is someone winning. I think it's more the degradation, the goal of degrading our minds. It's just another turn into depravity, which sounds extreme. Um, It sounds extreme, but it sounds extreme in the context of this normal conversation. But then if you'd spend five minutes on Instagram, and see the type of depravity that's in front of us at all times. TikTok, yeah. I mean, basically, social media is a constant feed of boundary violations that are being celebrated and kink, um, polydynamics, the the inability to hold um, any type of um, 
it, it's all moral relativism all the time. There's no way of holding a, a stable um, sense of truth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in our society. And, 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 and any like, moral, any, a, any right and wrong, even in any right, interior right. Um, moral because right and wrong compass gets eroded. Subjective. Yeah. Yes, it is all supposed yeah. to be. Um, but yeah. And so, yeah, to me, someone does, but I mean, it, it's funny to like, someone does benefit to me and it's always men. And it's, and, and so you would be like, how could it be that um, men would benefit from a lesbian polyamorous relationship? And it's more, a more circuitous path. Mm-hmm. It's that when the, the um, primary objective of, of um, glamorizing these type of dynamics is for the benefit of men who want Opening increased sexual access to women. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like the lesbian polyamory is okay. Like it's not exploiting women, but like, let's look at the vast majority of the thruples on okay Cupid and stuff who mm-hmm. are looking for a unicorn, like yes. they're heterosexual relationships yes. where the woman is definitely like not winning <laughs> in the, in the like good sex department. Like it is, she's like, becoming an object yeah. for her stupid boyfriend who's porn addicted. Yeah. That's, that is lubricating the pathway to, to making yourself think that I know maybe I would be okay with that. Like, that's okay. Um, I was predominantly disturbed by the public sex. And I think that's what really uh-huh. riled me up. So that's what I've been thinking about more. Um, you know, because I love public sex. <laughs> at least, okay, at least not where people can really see okay. you. Like I don't want to. Like yeah, I don't okay. If you're like me. in a car <laughs> late at night at a bar, uh-huh. different scenario. Different scenario. When people can actually see you in broad right. daylight, it's and like you're putting your sex onto. That's someone an environment else. where there's a adults around. Other adults right, around right, right, right. who, you know, can be like, oh, I see that. I'm going to go this way. I don't want to walk. I don't want to see <laughs> You're it. Not be I'll maintain my boundary. Like, I don't want, I'm not a part of this, whatever. They had, mm. they were going to have sex in the school carpool pickup lane, drop off lane. <laughs> wait, wait, I don't remember that episode. What? That's it happened in really a lot. The That's first really a lot. episode of season two, because I, I own, uh-huh. I rewatched a little bit. Um, to try to, and that's the thing that I was just appalled by. Gigi jumps in the car yeah. and that, and interrupts them before oh, it happens. Yeah. But yeah. they made okay, that, to- they totally glossed over it. Ha ha ha. They were going to have sex in the school carpool lane where children are present <laughs> publicly. Yeah. Normalizing uh, sex in front of kids. That's, that's wrong. Yeah, I agree. That's a hard. That's not a joke. That's a you hard don't make no. a joke about yeah. that. That's that's a no for me, dog. That's a very woke. <laughs> <laughs> and again, who benefits? Who benefits if public sex in front of children is normalized? Like fucking pedophiles, pedophiles, fucking predators. <laughs> yeah, predators. Predators. Yeah, so it's fine. It's fine if Nat and Gigi and uh, Alice. They're like relatively harmless, but it, if somebody sees them who, who's a minor and you're like inviting a minor to witness, to bear witness, it's, it's like, why are you getting turned on by the idea of like potentially being seen by minors and while you're, you're fucking? Your That's children creepy. in school. It's very your, creepy. Your own children even could see you. <laughs> like, that should be a huge turnoff if they were to walk out. That, that should be a boner killer, that as they say. Be. 
Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't appreciate that. What else about the woke agenda? Um, yeah, honestly, I don't want to dwell on it because it upsets me personally. Like it's, um, it's such a buzzkill to think about. And yet at the same time, um, it's such a big part of the show since it's reboot that there, there'd be so many characters who have, um, and and the reason is because they, they, these characters have fluid identities and they want to, the showrunners want to posit a world in which a fluid identity is more moral or more open-minded or more accepting or more inclusive than a mono, uh, whether mono romantic or mono monogamous, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Um, boring old lesbians. Mm-hmm. Boring old lesbians are for are for Generation One, and Generation Q is for the perpetually in flux, and therefore the never satisfied um, crowd. Oh yeah, ooh, yeah, spicy, steamy, um, and so there is a moral component and a political component of of having the um having all the new characters be queer and not lesbian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, cuz lesbians are boring and exclusive and monosexual. And queers are the avant-garde, the sexual avant-garde. We're too vanilla. It's too vanilla, I guess. Um yeah, I think. Yeah, it's so vanilla to just want to have sex with people you actually you are really attracted love. to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so boring. No, I mean I think that speaks to adding Tom into the show too. Nothing uh-huh, could, yeah. nothing could be too boring. Nothing could be just. Mm-hmm. This is a bunch of women who love women. We have to inject all of these other characters to mm-hmm. to detach it from being a women loving show for women loving women. I mean, when Elward started, that was, that was ours. Of course. It, yeah. It, it's always going to get the male gaze, but yes, but that was one thing that we had that was like for us about us telling our stories. Overly you know, dramatic. The gaze, but. Yeah. The male gaze is a really interesting thing that you brought up because they brought on Carrie played by Rosie O'Donnell, who's the butch character and the gender non-conforming character mm-hmm. in this season. And other than that, all the characters do conform to the male gaze pretty much across. No, 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 not Finley. She's got hairy armpits. So Finley, yeah. Finley writes androgynous. Gender non-conforming. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, I would say that it would be hard to argue that the women are not traditionally sexy. Oh, absolutely. By- the standards of our society. Like, I think you'd be pretty, you'd be making a pretty disingenuous argument entirely yeah so um yeah so carrie's character didn't get a lot of love um i have mixed feelings about carrie (laughs) because that was straight up very mean to her that was Mm -hmm. that is mean but but then on the other other side of that carrie was very whiny carrie was she does really whiny and like I have I have social anxiety sometimes when I'm going out mm-hmm. to events, right? But that's you know that's on me. Everybody should be nice to you there, assuming they're like respectful adults. Some adult behavior. Bess was a little questionable at times, but mm-hmm. you can't expect everybody there to like hold your hand and rub your back. 
make you feel mm-hmm. really good about yourself because of your own self insecurity. So, well, why was her character so one dimensional? She was literally a walking wet blanket, and oh, nothing she was. Else. Did she have any redeeming qualities? Like, she was not. She stood up really. for Angie a little bit, or tried okay. to advocate for Angie. So I, I do yeah. think she showed some redemption I, in that way. But that was, yeah, it wasn't very deep. It didn't go very far. No. no. Yeah, she, like you said, she she was a whiner, and I feel like if you have a lot of insecurities, that's not an uncompelling storyline. We have we can find lots of protagonists that are insecure and their and their journey as a character is stepping into their mm-hmm. power the problem with carrie's character is that she never did no and uh, there was like you know she she even gave a speech to to shane at the end of the season one of the last episodes where she was like i can't take it anymore it's like bitch tell bet right <laughs> why are you telling her friend right. You know, this is not getting you closer to what you want. I think there's a a little bit of responsibility on Tina. I've been in similar situations. Mm. Your partner should be standing up for you to their people. I want Mm. everybody to hear that. Again, your partner should be standing up for you to their people. Mm -hmm. If they're not, go, because it's not going to change. Yeah, pick your partner. Um, And Tina, we never saw that. Tina would be like, mm-hmm. oh, Carrie, just give it time. It'll be fine. And Carrie called her out no, on it. Rightfully Carrie, so. Carrie. When, when Carrie told Tina, like, I'm always going to come last, aren't I? True. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because Tina yeah. is not saying, hey, bet, cut it out. Like, stop. Mm. I think that could have gone a long way. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were a cute couple. I personally think Rosie O'Donnell's super cute. I love her haircut. I love her vibe. Her haircut. Um, I love her glasses. And I thought I thought her and Tina could have had a thing. I mean, why did they not make them have like phenomenal chemistry and like something actually going for them to actually produce conflict for the Tibet shippers? That is a very, the, the very shippers need to be challenged. That is a very, very interesting point. I don't know why I haven't at all thought about the fact that they never, they don't have any sex scene. Was that a <sighs> what? Was, was that, that a choice on the part of the actresses? They had no. I don't. I doubt no. it. I mean, you know, even if they weren't going to take their clothes they off, they could have at least gotten. Uh-huh. There, yeah, there. It could have been implied yes. that they had chemistry. You're right. Um, so they kind of left yeah, us give, hanging there and they don't give any real pull. Yeah. Whereas Bet has all sorts of paramours, even as she's longing and yearning for Tina, her one true love, you know, she's after Gigi and Pippa. I, I liked her with Pippa. I think most viewers mm-hmm. did. I think Pippa is the, the most likely to ship after Tibet. Agreed. Oh my gosh. Are you in any of the, are you, you're not really a Facebook person. You're more of an Instagram. I'm, I'm on Instagram more. I spend yeah. very minimal time on Facebook, but a little bit. I'm pretty much on Facebook to be lurking in these uh, L word yeah. Facebook groups. And God, the it sounds interesting. Oh, it's, it's definitely a study in human psychology, but I wouldn't say it's interesting. The takes in there are very cold. Mm. Uh, most people hated Finley because she has armpit hair, hated what? Carrie because she, you know, 
like dog ugly to them because she has short hair and no makeup. It's like, do you guys even love women? Like, get a grip. <laughs> like, I thought Rosie was cute. I thought she was hot a little bit. Like, Rosie's cute. She's a cute haircut. older woman. I love a silver fox. I love a woman in glasses, and I love that haircut. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, the other thing that the Facebook groups love to talk about, and which we haven't touched on, but I know we have to touch on this, Meg. I mean, if you want, depending on your comfort I'm level. You know I don't what I'm talking about. I don't. Let's go. I'm here like, what? What are we going to talk um, about, Jocelyn? So the character of Tess is played by oh. a trans-identified male. And so in the first season, I thought Tess was supposed to be a trans woman. And I don't know how people would read Tess as a natal biological woman, like, um, based on the way that she looks Mm -hmm. and, um, sounds Mm -hmm. and that, I mean, no disrespect to the actor who plays Mm -hmm. Tess, but like, I don't think that, um, when she stand, I don't think that her character and I'm, I'm using the pronoun her because we don't know if her character is male or female. Um, and I and it kind of seems like they're presenting her the character as a natal female now. But mm-hmm. when you put these actors all in a lineup, like you know, one of these is not like the mm-hmm. others, and it doesn't um, it doesn't strike me as something that would be very missable amongst a group of women who love women. Um, that's not been my experience in in life. Like it's not been my experience that I am attracted to males. And it's not been my experience that I can't tell the difference between men and women, uh, males and females, and trans women and natal women. Like that's just not something I can relate to. Um, so I was like really shocked and and um profoundly shocked that in the second season in the first season there was a sex scene where finley went down on tessa's character and i thought it looked like finley was sucking on a penis i, I agree with <laughs> that, that that was like the head motion yeah. that finley was doing mm-hmm. and i and i wrote about this on after all at the time and i know we talked about it um uh, yeah I've, I've definitely talked about this on after ellen before i don't think that this is uh I think I think everyone kind of thought the same thing in season one that Tess was male, mm-hmm. and now in season two, it definitely seems like that's not the case based on the way that they're presenting the character. Yes, I think it's it's implied that um, I, I think they really eased into a a gas a strong gaslight situation here where it's we're a gaslight situation. we're going to make we're going to not explicitly say this is a trans woman in season one, but kind of mm-hmm. in, imply it. They implied it. Mm-hmm. And in season two, we're going to make the implication that there's something else going on here. And that yeah, this is actually a natal woman. Sex- who's- <laughs> we can yeah. cut this out if it's, <laughs> if it's too hard. I mean, I don't, I don't think that we're speaking ill of this person's looks or this person's attractiveness no. level. Personality. I don't, think that I don't yeah. know you. You're, I don't think you, there's anything great, bad to say no. about. 
probably yeah. a great person. Um, just not. You just, just not, not a natal female. female. Uh, right. Yeah, the implications in season two were um, when Shane and Tess had sex scenes were that um, – that's what I'm saying. Not correct. I can tell you that like one of the best things about having won the literal sexual lottery is that I get to eat pussy and it tastes like heaven. I, mean, it it, tastes, I think that's the, like I think that's the, the tip top of the mountain. It's not one of that's like the that's the the winning ticket. That's yeah, I think about it all the time. Like sometimes I think about it, my mouth just starts watering. <laughs> this is a great chat. <laughs> it, it, it is a good chat. Like I could pretty much talk about eating pussy all day, but well, I'm celibate. And this is like, great. I oh, love you. Sorry about you, but I mean I'm I'm, I'm celibate for pandemic I'm joking. reasons. And, I'm joking. And uh it's it's hard out here to date during a pandemic. But um yeah, no, I just like, I couldn't relate to that. And I couldn't, I was really taken aback by all the Tess and Shane shippers. And I was just taking it aback because Shane is, because Shane is, um, she is this character that represents the Lothario, mm-hmm. the Don Juanita. She could pick up any woman and she can love them and leave them. And she's the ultimate fuck boy. And she's had a glow up in Gen Q because she's been learning to, um, be more uh, intentional in dating and 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 like looking for love. And she, you know, emotionally mentioned Yeah, she mentioned the woman that she spurned at the altar. Like, um, oh, Carmen, she's grown up. Carmen, 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 my fave. Oh, it's painful. It's painful. Still hurts. And so, and so you have this character who's the ultimate womanizer, but who, uh, the ultimate woman appreciator yes. in dating a male. And that is where it comes in to feel like the ultimate gaslight because mm-hmm. that wouldn't happen in real life. It wouldn't life. happen. And it wouldn't happen. And, um, and I don't like, oh, I really can't wrap my head around why it is that the media has published endless narratives about how trans actors should play trans characters. And yet here we have a trans character playing a woman and no one, no one's bothered. In fact, this is celebrated as like the ultimate um, sign of progressive thinking and forward movement as a society. It's like, I'm sorry, how? It's not supposed to be logical. If identity is required to match the character of an of a theatrical production, then why is that not the case for women? Why are women the only category that's penetratable by males? Hmm. Who benefits? Mm-hmm. Who might mm-hmm. benefit? <laughs> Could it be men? Could it Could be it males be? again? Possibly. Um yeah, I I just went on a fucking rant. I think hey, I know I, know, I, I, went on a rant. I loved it. Um I see everyone tripping over themselves on the on the gram mm-hmm. to be like, yes, they are like, oh Tess, Tess oh I've been yes, the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and she's mm-hmm. so hot, and I'm and I'm just really rooting for these two, and like this is what we waited for. And it it's just mm-hmm. an opportunity. To, they want those social, those social justice warrior points. Mm-hmm. It's all performative. It's, it's all just till, till stuck on that hamster wheel of what makes me look good. What's, what's mm-hmm. going to be most appealing. 
who's going to like me if I say this um, mm-hmm. for the never satisfied crowd who need, they need that. They need to get that fixed. Validation. They can't validation validate themselves. From- they can't be like, I loved an opportunity to come work with a platform that is honest. And mm. it is, a, it's safe for me to say what I think in a respectful uh, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find we'll out. What are you going to say? Adults. Spicy take let's incoming. Have, let's have adult conversations way. We're not all mm-hmm. supposed to think the same thing about everything. We're supposed to have discourse mm-hmm. for the reminder, to understand each helpful. other and be like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm super excited with the opportunity to conti- continue to write. I guess if I was if I was writing for any kind of other like lesbian publication, women's publication, Mm -hmm. I think I would still be working within the confines of what's, of what's like okay and safe to say. Mm -hmm. And I'm not planning on going off into like (laughs) some wild, trying to get a job in Vogue. Right. Some wild conspiracy theories. They're not all conspiracies. Oh, I see. Still, um, I think there's a lot more space and, and breath here for, intelligent differences of opinion and that mm. lesbians we're very multifaceted we've mm, we, we have so much going on um I love who I am I think it's one of the most, least interesting things about me and I've said this before and I'll say it again Insane. um it's the weirdest part about being a professional lesbian right <laughs> it's actually not the most no, interesting facet of my personality least, least. um so <laughs> yeah we're we're so often looked at as a community that has this homogenized culture that we're supposed mm. to adhere to. And I think a, a really amazing byproduct that I've seen come out of 2020 in this weird world that we're living in is I'm seeing, at least from my perspective, more people who are recognizing that you can just say, you can just say what, what you want to say, or more people are, are emboldened to do that mm-hmm. because we are, a lot of us are living in entirely different books right now. Oh gosh. It's so true. And yeah, we're on a different timeline. If, if you don't have that courage then to just be like, Oh, everybody has their own entirely unique set of <laughs> beliefs mm. and opinions and thoughts about things. Um, that they've arrived at after consideration yes. and critical thought. Yeah. And rather than just whatever the media said. Absolutely. And there is, and, and we're not afraid to change our mind as we get new information mm-hmm. and digest things. Oh, I love changing my mind. Things. It's oh. so fun. As we get older, I'm so unashamed to be like, I was wrong. I'm going to backtrack on that one. Cool. It's exhilarating. Yeah. <laughs> Finding out how dumb you've been, how you've been wrong in the past. Yes. Oh. So, so what are you trying to say, man? So what what I, are you trying to say? What were you wrong about? Oh, what was I wrong about? <laughs> Lots of things. I mean, point being is, I feel like After Ellen is a really is a really exciting space to get into in that capacity oh. of what I can share because I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like God is positioning me in a way I didn't anticipate it all, but it's like super cool. And it's like, here, like do something really good with this. Do something, Uh which is why I'm being really thoughtful about the other pieces I write. Really good. I'm going to do it. (laughs) God's watching you. God God is watching me. God God put me here. So that's really sweet. Um, I have similar, um, I have had similar feelings, um, 
about being called like why why have I been called to um occupy certain positions or hold certain truths and yeah so I I think I can relate to what you're saying Mm -hmm. wow who knew this l word podcast was gonna get so deep very deep but you know, that's honestly the only that's the only way we do here at After Own it's, HQ. We're the super <laughs> lesbian. We're gonna get into yeah. it. We're gonna share all kinds of really personal, vulnerable stories. <laughs> this is yeah. This is <laughs> want to hear about my polyamory days. <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree. We're going deep. Um, what else do we need to say about the L word? What else do I need to say? We can't. Uh, we can't miss anything because this is going to be our only. I mean, we we only recapped two apps, and I think Meg will probably end up recapping the other apps for I, viewers. I will. Who may need to I'm, I'm going to do that for y'all. I'm so glad that we found you on account of. I really couldn't have. I was so triggered, and I uh, I have now watched the season in order to be ready for this podcast, but. I couldn't have done it at the time. It was too much. I, I'm i happy to oh. take one for the team. I feel like I could have been triggered a little later on. Good. Missed that window. So one thing we didn't touch on, fucking Sophie Finley. I, listen. What? I am over fit? Sophie entirely. I do Same. not know. Sophie coming in, yelling at Finley, acting like she has any right whatsoever to to tell Finley mm. that Finley ruined her wedding? Excuse so, me, ma'am? Sophie gave Finley the runaround so hard. Sophie made the same choice oh. there. Sophie, you're the one who mm-hmm. slept with somebody else. That's not, that is so true. Yeah, she really refuses to take accountability for her own actions, which is what you learn to do in a 12-step program. Yes. <laughs> and, like well, something Finley needs to learn about, but Sophie is at the exact same level. She may not be a raging alcoholic. She is a raging enabler and her life is completely messy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And why though? Again, with the no backstory. She seems like she has a great family. I know. I like (laughs) I love her family. I want her family. Yeah. Um, I I don't I actually do ship them because I don't ship Sophie Danny. I think that is not a match. No. And um the the sex scenes were probably the only good part of their relationship, which is sad. It is sad. Like you don't that's not what you no. came for. No. Well, I guess it is for some viewers probably what they came for is just boobies. <laughs> <laughs> like really titillating literally <laughs> um yeah but i think that uh sophie's sophie finley isn't something that i ship now because it just got more and more toxic and neither of them are gonna grow or come out of this okay hmm. i don't know it probably does yes it has all the all the red flags of a toxic relationship which mm-hmm. i was I was talking about that with my best friend earlier. Um, I think any relationship now in my, in my wiser years where you break up, don't get back together. Oh my God. Don't get back together. That is a big indicator that there's a trauma bond. 
sis, don't even talk. I have a I have a policy now of not being friends with my exes, not being friends with women I fuck. I am proud of you. Uh, Tell being the exception because she's fabulous and she's one of my best We're, friends. But um, that was you're gonna keep uh, me that updated was on that one. But we actually had to fight through yeah. it. We had to have some really deep convos about like who we are. That's good. And what the fuck we were doing okay. <laughs> in order to recover from that. It was not easy. Um, but very worth it. But I don't think a lot of people who are exes should even bother having the conversation because you're just going to get dragged down oh. into a similar mm-hmm. dynamic again and again. Mm-hmm. You're stuck on some kind of um, endorphin habit. Oh, you're, gonna want to it. you're so right. Yes. You're that person becomes a drug to you. And so does the emotionality of the highs mm-hmm. and lows. And that includes the lows that includes, it does include like, the lows. Like, That's part of the cycle you because then the you ride. get that, yeah. then you get the high. Oh, if you don't have the low, you're not deep. getting the high and you're not addicted. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's deep. Yeah. So, uh, I don't want to see that in my own no, life no. and I don't want to see it for Sophie and Finley. No. No. I I want to ship them because oh, Sophie, but a marriage was ruined over. A marriage it. was <laughs> ruined. A marriage that marriage had been ruined though. Yeah. <laughs> that marriage was destined to Um but yeah. They both need to go their separate ways and spend some they need to spend some time alone. Did we miss anyone? Mary Bell and Micah. Honestly, again, oh. with the no backstory, these characters are so boring. I know what you it's wanted like, to talk what? about. The subtitles. What was... The subtitles are oh huge. That's a huge one. What? Okay, there was so much foreign language in this season. There was Spanish. There was Farsi. There was all sorts of like... Whole what conversations. I, multiple conversations, yes. and they were not subtitled. Never Why? subtitled. I think we're supposed I, to be ashamed. That we don't not speak the language. Farsi. Or or what I actually may be wrong. That might not be Farsi. It might be Arabic. Farsi's a good guess. I think Persian or something? Oh, it might Arabic. be Persian. She's she's Iranian. It's probably Persian. What is the name of the okay, why didn't they I'm Googling okay. subtitle the L word? So I actually um saw this come up again and again in the Facebook groups really? that that talk about the L word and the L chat. Um yeah, really though I've never seen um any compelling theories. Oh, so it is Farsi. So somebody has actually on Tumblr um done a a, a translation of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um basically they're saying Farsi is a very beautiful language. Um, my mom was Iranian. He's Chilean. What? Okay. Um, this is hilarious. Like, why? It's important that the life why story would you is not included. let us know what. Yeah. Why? Why do we? Why do we? Why are we not being given the insight into their why they're speaking foreign languages? Um. Certainly, they are trying to have some kind of meaningful conversation, right? Or is the writing really that lazy that they're like, we're just switching languages now and you don't need to know what the character is motivated by or why the character is saying these things? Like, 
I words don't carry weight. Like, I what? honestly see that as like part of the wokeness of it. We have to be ultra woke. Okay. Where, but why? Because but this what, is what, this is a ends? club, and you're not in it because you were born in America, okay. and you're not in this club. Like, well, God forbid so that you characters. only speak the language of the country you were born in. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> these characters are American. They are they're American with immigrant parents. Like they why they. So you you think that the the writers of this show are saying that um, that those of us who are not in the club are uncultured or or insufficiently sure. tolerant sure. I, of because, multiculturalism? Yes, because mm-hmm. America American culture is, is trampled has been trampled mm. this year, and we're not. I do think it's a, years, I think yeah. it's a stab at that <laughs> that we're not to, that we're supposed to think about it as oh I'm I'm just an American and I don't know what they're saying and it's a it's supposed to make us feel in, in, dumb. dumb and inferior that's and I do think that that's an infusion that they're trying to insinuate. Um, I just think it's incredibly boring. I think that there's so many shows that have multicultural identities being a really central part of the plot. And in this case, it didn't seem that the, um, that the multicultural identities of these individuals was what drove any of the, like Danny is Danny's family dynamic may be the most one, but like, it's not explained at all why Gigi, you know, what, what these, how these identities intersect with or overlap with I her agree. love life, her business life, mm-hmm. like literally anything at all. It's like, hey, did you know this character is brown? It's like that there sophisticated. There you go. There, it's that there, sophisticated. That's the nail on the head. That's the wokeness of it. It's like, <laughs> oh, hey, did you notice? Did you notice this? Did you, did you yeah. see her on the screen? She's brown. Mm-hmm. And so, when you think about like, all the respect for Gigi, I love you. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no, I know exactly. you're not saying it's disrespectful. Like, no, it's it's actually like in a way, it's more objectifying. Yes, of absolutely. Gigi They're explaining to, this. To not subtitle what she's saying because it's like as if her language is immaterial. It's as if her words don't matter. Like Ooh. you don't need to know what she means. Yes. Yeah. Who cares what she's saying? And, Just right. Who cares what she's saying? Like her ethnicity. Uh, the audience. Exactly. Just notice her ethnicity. Oh, so this is good. I mean, this is deep. This is deep shit. I mean, we're really getting to the bottoms of something here. So I just think about like shows where there are multi multiple identities, hybrid identities. Um, people who speak languages, people who speak um, languages that are hybridized with English, and those shows um, being subtitled. And gosh, like okay, so there was. Um, Hentified on Netflix, which is like half in Spanish, half in English, another oh, half. Yes, I that's watched, three halves in Spanish. An example of okay, the the hybrid identity is a really important yes. part of all these characters' motivations and lives. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're gonna subtitle what everyone's saying, and um, the language it, you don't get to like miss out on. You, you don't want to miss out on what people are saying, and you're not being left out. But what are what are some other ones? I feel like there's so many well written shows with foreign languages that, and you just deal with the foreign language, like the Americans. Half the fucking shows in Russian. <laughs> You're like, this is awesome. I'm happy to read these subtitles. I don't mind at all. Have you ever seen Kim's Convenience? Do they put subtitles on that show? 
Oh, I love that. Isn't show. there a lesbian in that show? We need to cover that. Maybe you can cover it. I can't it. remember. I'm going to have to check. I haven't um, seen it in a while. I feel like I got a press release about it the other day. There's either a lesbian actor or a lesbian character. Somebody needs to cover it. Oh, I'll look into it. But yeah, like great example. Like have have characters speaking foreign languages. Audiences are it, but it's absolutely in like you story. said. It's <laughs> it's a whole part of the storyline. It's integrated into right. the entire show instead of just tossed in as an afterthought. Did you notice this person is brown? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and like, okay, yeah, I guess. About it. Okay. I am now protective yeah. of Gigi. Screw you guys. Right? How we're doing this to my lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that was maybe that was everything that was on the list. This has definitely been a long podcast, but um, do you have any any thoughts that you want to add on the topic? Any final thoughts? This is this is one people are really not going to want us to leave any stone unturned. <laughs> the L word is serious business. All right, we covered. You think Nat's going to be out of the show now? I don't know. I mean, I can't say that I'm following any character that's peripheral to Alice, but not with Alice, because Alice is actually interesting. I'm not interested in that at all. So yeah. I, I, I'd like to see that I guess fade off because all we're gonna okay, get. You know, sorry, you go. No, I, I was just completely gonna interrupt you and switch tacks because I remembered Do something it. I didn't want to forget. Okay, why was Lena Waith in the first episode in no subsequent episodes? And had basically no storyline. Lena Waithe should have written this motherfucker. It would have been gold. It would have won every Emmy. Look at Lena Waithe's track yeah. record for yes. show writing. Maybe they couldn't afford. I don't her, think they but could get her because I assume could, they could get they could get her, get her, as her a as, yes, they could convince her or appease her enough to come in for one episode to get that that star factor in, get that cameo mm. and milk that for what it's worth but I, I bet they just couldn't get her for the rest of it because that i wish they would have talked to her and asked you know who are you having right for you um on your shows and and are they available for for this short run season like it it was some of the worst writing in tv history and what doesn't make sense is that showtime is also putting out like shows that are winning every fucking award like billions i actually hated billions i thought it was pretty boring um but people seem to really like it it's been on for like six seasons homeland was on for like eight seasons wait that was showtime right that wasn't i don't know i have not watched these showtime has dexter like come on these are show showtime is like i think the writing is less good than fx Mm -hmm. and less good than hbo Mm -hmm. but it's still in that tier of prestige television other than this piece of garbage. Just in terms of writing, mm-hmm. guys, like, come on. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm looking for anyone to, ch- to like, prove to me how this show is not a, the worst written show ever. Arguments accepted. <laughs> send us some emails. And, yes, please, please send me your thesis statements. <laughs> you will be hired on the spot. <laughs> That's a good way to get some more writers in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to have some things to say about uh, to me and about me after this episode. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm an Aries. I love to fight. Do you want to? Debate? I know. I love the because I love. On. I love. I love Aries friends. I have a great time chatting yeah, I love with Aries friends. Like, yeah, well, Meg. I'm so glad that those the L word has brought us together because we should. Spring buds. 
Yeah, we should have been friends. Uh, I mean, we've been following each other on yeah. social media for ages, but this is this is the start Sometimes of a very Sometimes some weird narcissists like, get in the way. <laughs> and then we have a little falling out, and then the world goes crazy, and we're like, you're sane. You're really smart. <laughs> friends. There we go. It is. It's a great start. It's true. Yeah, I can't wait to be barefoot and eating bison together. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll do that. Well, that'll totally happen. Um, okay, well, that's all I have to say about the L word. I feel like I've definitely uncovered every stone that I could. I guess I'll write an article if there's anything left unshared. How about you? I think we've covered all the windy twisties. I think we did the best we could with what we were given. There was a- and I hope that... And there was a lot. <laughs> so forgive us because... So much happening. Yeah, and we've both had kind of rough days. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but I did smoke a fat bowl before we started. I just had a lot of CBD oil, which strangely made me feel okay. a little bit high, but not because CBD. Mm-hmm. I'm typically nursing a, a fat bowl around after all the podcast time. I think our listeners are familiar with that by now. At any rate, it's been real real fun thanks to everybody for listening let us know what you thought of the podcast uh you can like subscribe give us a rating on itunes spotify stitcher all the platforms where you can listen to your podcasts we would so appreciate that and uh tell your friends even if they just want to debate us oh yeah we're game for that (laughs) all right thanks meg talk to you soon bye Bye, everybody (laughs) 